Welcome to the Life Course podcast from the ESRC International Centre for Life Course Studies and Society and Health at UCL. In today's episode, David Blaine from ICLS discusses new research on who has a pension and what the implications of the answer to that question are for policymakers, employers and workers. Well, the state pension age, uh, old age pension in the UK pays below the minimum income for healthy living for people aged 65 years and older. So for most of us, an additional occupational pension is our best chance of being able to live a healthy life when we're old. With this in mind, our question was, who gets an occupational pension? That's a really good summary. So what was the key thing that emerged, would you say, from the analysis that you did? that access to an occupational pension scheme is mostly part of an employment package uh, of jobs in the advantaged uh, social classes. We found that anybody employed in an occupation in the most advantaged social class is six times more likely to be a member of an occupational pension scheme and for that scheme to be defined benefit than anybody employed in an occupation in the most disadvantaged social class and that this six-fold difference is likely to be an underestimate because the survey excluded the self-employed and seasonal and casual workers. And these uh, differences are amplified by the link between pension level and the level of pay during working life. In the current context where we're all living longer and being encouraged to make better provision for our retirement, what would you say that your findings tell us about that. Workplace inequalities continue to determine life after retirement. Social class in working life continues to affect living standards right into retirement by this link, uh, it's linked to pensions. And also this answers the question of why social class based on occupation during working life is such a good predictor of life expectancy many years after retirement. So where did you get your information from? What was in that information that helped you look at these differences in pension take-up between people from from different backgrounds? Our information came from the annual survey of hours and earnings, which collects information from employer payrolls, including details of an employee's job and whether or not they're a member of an occupational pension scheme, and if so, which type of scheme. And how did you go about dividing people into their social groups? What what information that you had was was key to the ability to to do that? We used the official classification of social classes known as the National Statistics Socioeconomic Classification, which is based on the terms and conditions of employment of different jobs. These terms and conditions of employment include such things as whether the job pays hourly, weekly or monthly, how many days notice of redundancy an employee in the job must be given, how closely supervised are employees in that job, whether those in the job receive incremental increases in pay, and whether those in the job control the pace and content of their work. So did the type of pension scheme that people were in matter at all? We did not examine this issue directly because there is general agreement that a defined pension scheme is best because it relates pension level to final salary uh, and final salary tends to be highest 
at least for those with pay increments and promotion prospects. The other common type of pension scheme is defined contribution, which depends on whatever has been saved across the whole of working life. The main exception is a small subgroup of the most advantaged social class who benefit from a personalised pension scheme, often involving shares in the company and so on. So did it make any difference at all whether people worked in the private or the, the public sector? Defined benefit pension schemes are more evenly spread within the public sector. It's one of the achievements of the public sector. So employees in less advantaged jobs in the public sector are more often members of a defined benefit occupational pension scheme than their social class peers in the private sector. An advantage which is to some extent counterbalanced by the generally lower levels of pay. From your perspective, David, and, and, and the perspective of your team, what would the key takeaways, would you say, be for research and policy in this area? And I wonder if there's also a message for uh, employees and workers. Mm, we have two key messages, one for specialists and the other for everybody. For specialists, Working life social class via occupational pension scheme membership is a major determinant of living standards in the years between labour market exit and death. So it is reasonable and plausible to assign individuals to a social class after retirement on the basis of the occupation of their last significant period of employment. For everybody, uh, those employed in jobs in the most disadvantaged social classes give most of society through more years of work because they tend to start to uh, enter the labour market at a younger age and they work in jobs which are physically and emotionally more demanding. So it is poor thanks for a lifetime of effort to subject uh, these fellow citizens after retirement to incomes which are inadequate to sustain a healthy life. Occupational Pensions, a bridge between social class before and after labour market exit, is researched by Maya Glickman, David Blaine and Mel Bartley. You can find out more about the research on the ICLS website www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash ICLS. Thanks for listening to the Life Course podcast, which is presented and produced by Chris Garrington.